All right, we are on Revelation chapters 12 and 13. So if you want to open up to Revelation 12. These are some of my favorite chapters. Uh, as I've been studying these the last few few months for the podcast and for other things. So Revelation chapter 12, a great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crowd of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out in pain and agony as she gave birth. Another sign also appeared in the sky. There was a huge red dragon that had seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that he could devour the child as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will shepherd all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in order that she might be fed there for 1,260 days. There was also a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon fought back along with his angels, but he was not strong enough. There was no longer a place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, the one called the devil and Satan, the one who leads the whole inhabited earth astray. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. The one who accuses them before our God day and night, they conquered him. Because the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives in the face of death. For this reason rejoice you heavens and those who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea for the devil has gone down to you. He is full of rage because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she might fly to her place in the wilderness, where she is to be fed for a time and times and a half time, away from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a river after the woman in order to carry her away in the flowing water. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river, which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. The dragon was angry about what had happened to the woman, and he went away to make war against the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and who hold on to the testimony about Jesus. And he stood on the shore of the sea. All right. So as we look at this, I guess the first thing is just kind of an overview of chapter 12. Who is the dragon? The devil. So the dragon is the devil. So as a red dragon is huge, seven-headed beast. And, and there you think of the ancient serpent from, uh, from Genesis, you know, that serpent on, on the tree that is tempting Adam and Eve. And so here is a serpent, a dragon, uh, 10 heads, or seven heads with 10 crowns. So uh, he's trying to appear to be like God with uh, symbolic numbers of seven and 10. All right, who is the child that the dragon goes after? Jesus. Yeah, this is Jesus. 
So then the tricky thing is, who then is the woman that gives birth to the child? It's not Mary. Because, uh, so that's the key, is who is this woman? The church. So the woman is the church. So uh, you can put it very sim simply, and we'll go in more in depth. But so the, dra the dragon of the devil comes after the Christian church. And that's the whole point of Revelation 12. And then we'll look at Revelation 13. Then uh, if the dragon isn't bad enough, he has two beasts on the earth that also are his agents that help him to go against the church. All right. So chapter 12 begins the second half of Revelation. It offers us a close-up look of Satan and his henchmen, his agents. Uh, it's the first of a series of seven visions. Uh, and this chapter is one of the most important chapters of all of Revelation because it clearly identifies the time span of Revelation. And its symbols are so easily identified. It's pretty easy to figure out uh, who the dragon is, the woman, the, the child, the archangel, and so forth. Uh, so the main difference between the visions in the first half of Revelation and the second half of the book is that in the first visions, uh, they give us a general overview of the disasters of the world during the New Testament era. But the visions in the second half are a close-up views of important actors in these events. So think of, uh, you know, you've got a, a play for, you know, to win, you know, say to win the Super Bowl or whatever. Uh, one that just comes to mind, if you remember, years ago, was it the Rams were playing? And they got, I think it was, uh, now I forgot who they were playing, but it was uh, right on the end zone. You know, the last play of the game, to win the game. Yeah, and and then you gotta you gotta figure out did he cross the line? Did he not cross the line? And uh, so you, you see the play, and that's kind of you see you see the game, and that's kind of the revelation book of Revelation. But then there's one play, and then there's close up and close up angles from all different sides. That's kind of the second half of Revelation. And now you're zooming in on the ball carrier crossing the line. Uh, you're you're zooming in on the tacklers and so forth and that's kind of a zoom in on you know the devil and saint michael and these beasts so that's kind of how you're looking at the second half of revelation uh, okay so the woman in verse two to whom the child is born is not mary it's not the physical mother of jesus it's more spiritual israel so this woman re uh, remains present on earth during the whole time of the New Testament. Uh, and to identify the woman, we have some clues that she's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet and a crown of 12 stars was on her head. She's pregnant. So she is reflecting God's glory by, by being clothed with the sun. And that's the way that Jesus is described. Uh, the moon may be a symbol of the earth, in which case uh, everything is under, uh, uh, is under her. Twelve is the number of the church. We've seen that before. 
And then someday a child would come from a believing descendant of Eve that would destroy Satan. So uh, Eve is a representative of that church then and giving birth to that son, Christ. Why do you think that the great dragon is pictured as having so many heads and with all of these crowns and horns? Okay, well, it's picture, picturing him as powerful. You're having these heads. Horns are always a symbol of power. Uh, so here, this picture is from Albert Durer. Uh, it's called The Apocalyptic Woman. So this would be a, a woodcut. This would have been the time of Luther, uh, right toward the end of, uh, no, right, right when Luther is uh, writing so much, Albert Durer, draws a lot of pictures to go along with everything that uh, Luther is writing. Uh, so here's one of the woman, the dragon, and the child. So you see a lot of similarity there as well. What's interesting, you don't pick this up on the, in the English, but in the Greek, the word for crown is a diadem. And the reason that's different is uh, that a diadem is kind of like a, a fake crown. Uh, so is a crown not gained in battle, but was usurped by someone who didn't have the right to rule. So think of maybe someone as opposed to conquering the king, maybe it's the son coming and stabbing the king in the back and then taking the crown for himself. So it died them. So again, we're not going to pick up on that in the English because it's crowned to us. But in the Greek, John's first readers would have understood a diadem, you know, it's kind of a fake crown. You know, maybe think of what they used to wear uh, in Burger King. They used to hand out the little fake crowns. All right. Uh, what do you think it means? in verse six about 1,260 12, days in the wilderness. Did we answer the question about why there's seven heads? I don't know if there's, I, I think the seven heads is just a symbol of uh, that it's powerful and that it's trying to look like God and Jesus and having you know, number seven and 10 because those are numbers of God. What is represented by 1,260 days? That's three and a half years or times time and time and a half. That's a New Testament period. So whenever you see those numbers and that time period in Revelation, that's the New Testament period. So what you're, trying to, what you're looking at here is the dragon comes on earth and tries to devour the child. And when did the dragon first try to devour the child? When he was born with King Herod, right? Right away, you see the dragon coming after the child. And then he didn't stop, right? Because when is the only time in scripture that you hear about demon possession? It's only when Jesus is his ministry, right? 
You don't hear about demon possession in the whole Old Testament. You don't hear a lot about demon possession in uh, in the New Testament, in the apostolic era. It is a couple of times in Acts, but pretty much it is confined to when Jesus is doing his ministry. And just to think of the devil is coming at Jesus with everything he's got. And so he is releasing his demon spawn to go after the after Jesus. And then verse five, uh, the male child is obviously Jesus, the shepherd of the nations. So he's carrying a rod in his, an iron rod in his hand. And then how was the child snatched up to God into his throne? When did that happen? No, is it? No, after. It's his ascension, right? Okay, so his ascension. So that's talking about, in picture language, Jesus' ascension, going up into heaven. But what does that leave? It leaves the church, the woman, us, here on earth. All right, then you get to, so here's, here's another picture. So this is from the Luther Bible of 1533. So kind of striking colors. Uh, but then the, the seven-headed dragon. The woman uh, who is robed, and then she's, she, you can see the halo around her, the eagle's wings that we see in later verses. Yep. You know, the Catholic religion thought of this woman in Revelation as Mary, because, you know, you look at that picture, and, you know, growing up as a kid in Catholic schools, that's how Mary was always kind of pictured. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And does anyone else know how how the Catholic Church views Mary or views this woman? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And then here, this is going to be in the the next few verses of the dragon persecutes the woman. We can go to those verses, then we'll come back to the war in heaven. So then... Are we saying woman now is the nation of Israel or all people? No, it's not all people. It's not Israel. It's us as Israel. It's the Christian church. So we're going to see when we come back to these verses of the war in heaven. So the the dragon is thrown down and he comes down to earth then to persecute the church, Christians. And the woman then flees into the desert to be protected for a time. But there's going to be war is he's going, the, Satan, the serpent is going to be coming after us for a time and times and a time and a half time. So that's the New Testament period. So would the wilderness be yeah yeah so the wilderness is is the earth and we're going to see this war coming to play more often but I, this is an interesting picture i thought so that, uh, from the eltenberg abbey dome fresco of uh, you see the the dragon spewing forth water to try and consume the woman 
And yet you also see the earth in verse 16 helps the woman. So the river which Satan tries to overflow to overtake the woman and his war on the children in verse 17 are pictures of his continuing persecution of the church. But then, like I said, the earth swallowing up the river is a picture of the fact that all of these persecutions by Satan as he tries to attempt to destroy the church, they always end in failure. Because what has persecution always done to the Christian church? It Made it stronger. And you think, look at what's happened. Now, this isn't so much the persecution of Christians. We're, I don't want to uh, get too closely tied with politics. So they think, think sometimes both parties do that with Christianity and Christians do that in bringing in politics. But just to think of what happened in the last few months as you have things being taught in public schools and what have parents done historically the last few decades with public schools? Nothing. Yeah, but otherwise, what did you say, Larry? Nothing. Nothing. They just put their kids in public schools. Now they've noticed that you know, there's some things going on in the public school system they're not really happy about. And what's happened? They're getting together and fighting. They're getting together and fighting. They're protesting. They're going to school board meetings. They're trying to take and, and be put into school boards and so forth. They're finally waking up. And uh, you can see that politically, but that's what we need to do uh, spiritually is to stand up because what happens when you finally realize this isn't going to get better, you got to stand up. One of the things I wrote for my, my book was that you can never change the world by being comfortable, right? But that's what we like. We like to be comfortable and de the devil likes us to be comfortable. It's when the devil comes at us and he makes us uncomfortable. He's persecuting us. Well, then we finally realize, oh yeah, I got to get up and get moving. And that's the woman moving. Anything on, we're going to come back to this persecution in a little bit, but then I want to go back to the war in heaven. So who is the angel? Michael. Okay. Uh, Saint Michael, you know, my namesake. Uh, there is war in heaven. This is this is a classic woodcut too, of Saint Michael going after the dragon. You see a lot of pictures of Saint Michael then standing on the neck of Satan. You know, he, sometimes he's pictured as a dragon. Sometimes he's pictured as an angel, uh, an evil angel. But then there's war in heaven. The great dragon we saw earlier, I didn't mention this, verse four, the dra dragon sweeps his tail and a third of the stars are cast out of the sky. What do you think that's referring to? We think a third of the stars. Those are, those are the angels. So the idea here is when there's rebellion in heaven, as the devil, he got his angels to go along with him. And we figure about a third of the angels then went with Satan and rebelled against Jesus and the Father, the Holy Spirit, and St. Michael and his angels. 
And this then is the text that well, we have for St. Michael and all angels. I love preaching on this text. Uh, by the way, Adrian said this was like the second time because then in Genesis, there's a war in heaven and our devils hurled the earth before there's even man on earth. Well, it doesn't talk about it. Yeah, it doesn't talk about it in Revelation, but that's a good point then is I'll ask you the question, when is this? It sounds like this is right away. But when did Jesus defeat the devil? On the cross. And so Jesus, so this is the gospel lesson for St. Michael and all angels. All right, I'm going to test you. Do you know what, what day that minor festival is in the Christian church here? No, we just had it. We had it early because Pastor Lightning preached on uh, on St. Mary. So I preached on St. Michael. I preached a couple of weeks early because he wanted to preach on St. Mary. It was, September 29th is St. Michael and all angels. And the gospel lesson for that is Jesus sends out his disciples and uh, they He's, they said they're all excited because they were able to cast out demons. And he said, I saw even greater things than that. I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. But he's talking about his crucifixion. So he's talking about a future event. He said, I saw it. And if I would be preaching on the text, I would make a point of notice it's past tense. I saw it past tense, even though it's a future event, it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, what does the name devil mean? Verse nine. Well, Satan means accuser. The devil is a liar. So let's look at the name devil. What does he try to do in order to tempt you with being a liar? Okay. How does he deceive you? Lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like what? Yeah. So how does he lie and deceive you? That he's God, that he's the one you should follow. Okay. Yeah. So again, because I'm always thinking about things that for this book is think of the lies that were we're being told to listen to and believe. You know, I'll, I'll start you out. Think of one of, well, a woman says she's a man. So we have to call her by a man's name and have male pronouns and so forth. And then we're told to not just accept the lie, but then we have to, it might be in our workplace that we have someone like this. It might be in, if you're a public school teacher, that you have to, or a professor that you have to affirm that. And now you are brought into the devil's lie. Or you think of uh, Richard Levin. You know who that is? He doesn't go by that name anymore. He goes by Rachel. You know who that person is? Uh, so that is the Secretary of Defense. So, right? And you know what happened recently with him? So then he was appointed as a four-star general. 
And then he was touted as being the first woman four-star general, right? And then you're supposed to praise that. And yet women who've been working so hard for these kind of positions for years, you know, they're having their honor and glory stolen from them, right? So that, that's a lie. Um, any other lies you can think of that the devil is trying to, to force on us right now in our current culture? No? Think of critical race theory. You know, some people will say, well, it's not being taught in schools, but I was listening to a public school teacher talk the other day, he said, well, it's not being taught, not in grade schools. It's being imposed. That was the word he used. It's being imposed on them because it's coming from the teachers. And I listened to one parent talking in front of a school board. And she said that her six-year-old, this is a white woman. She said her six-year-old daughter came home from school and was crying because she was evil because she was white. No, no, it wasn't a scene. Yes, ma'am. What is this critical race theory? Okay, so critical race theory is, uh, you guys are a little older than I am, so you would know this a little bit better than I do. What did Martin Luther King Jr., what was his big phrase? He dreams of a world of what? People are judged by the, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Yeah, so that was a great line. Judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Critical race theory says the opposite and saying we should judge people by the color of their skin and not by the content of their color. Or, uh, character uh, because they feel like things haven't changed quickly enough from you know the, the civil rights movement in the 60s so we need to move things faster by telling people you know you got to raise up one race by putting down another race but it, and again i remember mentioning this in a sermon that was months ago and i saw people's heads shaking nodding their head because they were that was being forced on them to go through this kind of training in their workplace. Okay. But it's these kinds of lies that in, again, I'll put this in the book is those are viewed as being political, but they're not, are they? Those are cultural. And we as Christians are in the culture. We have to take those kinds of things back because what happens uh, Shelly is an aide in our middle school. She, she told me that the other day she overheard uh, two sixth graders talking and one of the boys said, you know, called a girl a girl. And she said, I'm not a girl, I'm pansexual. And that's in our school. Okay. And so it just I brought that up in our administration meeting on Wednesday saying, you know, we need to have parenting classes. You know, go, we need to cover a lot of things. And one of the things is phones. Because uh, I said, this kid is a sick girl. She's not watching the news. You know, she, she's not reading the news. Where'd she hear that stuff? Her phone, TikTok, Snapchat. And parents aren't watching that stuff, right? And, but that's how the devil uh, being a liar and an accuser how he works on people because he knows if he can get them as kids and then he's got them. 
or uh, and then if he works on us as adults and being too afraid to say anything because we're going to get shouted down well then he wins again but the stupidest thing is you watch um i watch five years old you have excerpts from people on talking about the glorious theory and how white supremacy and you got all these uh, people that are you know the talking heads for they're all white mm. you got the person on there going white people are white supremacists and they're nodding their heads like they're talking about you you know yeah. Oh, I don't know if he'll pass this. I was just going to say another big, big lie is the 1696 problem. Mm. Yeah, 16, 1619. Okay. Yeah. I thought I'd get it. <laughs> yeah, they don't allow you about history. Right. Yeah, a lie of our history. And changing history as opposed to, oh, hey, they're, they're, they're sinful people. No one was perfect. Everyone, as good as they all had different viewpoints and you have to take people, they, they can't all be saints. And so you change history. Yeah, all of those lies, uh, but there's war in heaven. And the, the key is Christ is always stronger. He and his angels, they warred against the devil and his angels, they protected us. But what's the problem that you find in verse, verse nine? So you got the devil who is Satan. He is the ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. And what happens to him? Yeah, that's not good. That's exactly it. He's thrown down, but he's cast down to us to come at us. Uh, but notice in verse 11, how do they conquer him? Yeah, that's the key. Don't forget that. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Uh, so, but woe, but this is the point there of, that's not good. Verse 12, woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has gone down to you. He's full of rage because he knows that his time is short. So he's going to be coming at you hard. And that's where you pick it up with the dragon persecutes the church. So here's another picture of uh, St. Michael. And I figured you would probably know Raphael. So again, the St. Michael is often pictured with his two wings and his, and his sword. And then he always has the shield and then stepping on the neck of the dragon. This is one of our Wells artists. Uh, so I thought this was an interesting picture. Uh, you can kind of see the angels and the demons in the background uh, up in the corner off his right wing. But again, that Christian cross, the red cross over a, a white flag that he's wearing, though, instead of a shield. And then that's the first time I've ever seen the lightning to strike the dragon. Here's a more, uh, more modern interpretation of St. Michael and the dragon. But this is one that would appeal to, to our youth if they're seeing this in, you know, comic book. Yep, yep. This is like a Marvel comic, but just it's pretty awesome too. 
So then the last question on this, can you think of some world events where there's been persecution that serve the good of the church? Yep, Twin Towers, people turn, turn to the churches. What else? Yeah, and that's exactly the time of Luther. Uh, and there you see God's hand in that the time of the Reformation, you know, Emperor Charles, he wants to put an end to the strife in Germany. And so he's going to come at Luther, but he can't devote most of his time to it because God allows the Turks, the Muslims out east, to be trying to invade Europe. And so the time and effort of the emperor is focused over there. But yet, and then that gives Luther time to do all of his writing as well as the rest of the Lutheran reformers. Think about the early Christian church. Think about Paul in the book of Acts. He's in Thessalonica, and he's driven out of Thessalonica. And so what happens to the Christian church? What happens to Paul? He moves. And then he starts spreading, the, starts spreading Christianity elsewhere. Okay? So every time there's a persecution, the church actually grows. Any other questions on chapter 12? Uh, who was the day? Oh, I'm not finding it, my answer. I'm thinking that at, at first, when I was reading that, it sounds like it's the angels. And yet... Uh, they do not love their lives in the face of death. So I think there, because angels can't die, this is referring to us as saints and martyrs. That, that's kind of what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. Yep. So that's why, you know, uh, that the they then is, they, they conquered Christ. That means, or conquered Christ. They conquered the devil. That you and I as saints and martyrs, if we're blessed to become martyrs, that... Uh, we conquer the devil and his demons with the word of Christ, with the blood of Christ, because we don't love our lives so much. We're, we're not afraid to carry our cross in the name of Christ, Larry. I said also that everything in Revelation is symbolic. So when they say dragon, you know, there's a tendency to think, well, the devil's walking around as an invisible dragon, but the dragon just symbol of evil, right? Yeah. Devil and evil and right. I, I have toyed around with the idea of whether the dragon or whether the devil really is kind of a serpent. Because we always think of it as the devil and angels have to have a human form because that's the way we think of them. That doesn't mean that it has to be that way. 
Uh, I haven't done a lot of study to see whether uh, the devil's main form in our eyes would be a serpent. But it's interesting in scripture that he's pictured as a serpent in the beginning. He's and he, an angel yeah, yeah. And then he's pictured as a serpent because he is a, a physical serpent. And then here he's pictured as a dragon. I don't think he's actually as a form of a serpent or dragon, but it gives that idea of something that's uh, very strong and powerful. But this just came to mind. How would the people of St. John's day know what a dragon was? If it's just a mythological creature. From the Old Testament, there's, you know, I mean, there's referrals of dragons mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Job chapter 40 and 41 of, uh, Job 41 of Leviathan is a, a dragon, a fire-breathing, uh, water-dwelling dragon. So I just bring it up because, yeah, we would think, we think now dragons are mythological. And, and yet, if you listen to uh, any kind of uh, culture references, Chinese, Native American, and Brazilian, and so forth, uh, European, there are dragons in their cultures. So this would be European people knew what a dragon was because there were dragons, you know, kept of dinosaurs that were still alive. Probably not plentiful, but they knew what a dragon was. Nobody had found any dragon bombs anywhere. Closest thing would be the pterodactyl, you know, yeah. flying dinosaur. Yeah. The other dragon. But I don't want to get into that. that that's more, that's, if you want to come to my class on, on creationism and evolution, then we'll talk about that stuff. Uh, the last thing before we get into the next chapter is verse 18. Why is verse 18 such an important verse? So, and he, Satan, stood on the shore of the sea. Yeah, and he's calling his allies. And yet, we've seen in Revelation 10, verse 2, let me just read that. It says uh, about Jesus. He put his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. So Satan is there calling to his beast. We're going to look at the next verse. And yet Jesus is there standing with his foot on either, on, on both shores, kind of. He's there right alongside of Satan trying to call his beast, but he can't overtake Jesus. All right, uh, chapter 13, John says, I saw a beast rising out of the sea. He had 10 horns with 10 crowns on his horns and seven heads with blasphemous names on his heads. The beast that I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne and great authority. One of his heads seemed to have been fatally wounded, but his fatal wound was healed. The whole world that followed the beast was amazed. They worshiped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. They worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can go to war against him? The beast was also given a mouth that spoke arrogant and blasphemous things. He was given authority to do these things for 42 months. The beast opened his mouth to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name, his dwelling, and those who dwell in heaven 
He was also given permission to wage war against the saints and to overcome them, as well as authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. All those who make their home on the earth will worship the beast, those whose names have not been written from the beginning of the world in the book of life, which belongs to the lamb that was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be imprisoned, he is going to be imprisoned. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, he is going to be killed with a sword. Here, patient endurance and confidence are needed by the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like the lamb and he spoke like the dragon. He exercises all authority of the first beast on his behalf. He causes the earth and those who make their home on it to worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. He performs great miracles, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of people. He also deceives those who make their home on the earth because of the miracles that he was permitted to perform on behalf of the beast, telling those who make their home on the earth to make an image for the beast who had been wounded by the sword, but lived. This beast was also given the ability to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast spoke and caused whoever did not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He also makes all people small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads in order that no one may buy or sell unless he has the mark. The name of the beast or the number of his name, here is wisdom. But the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. His number is 666. All right. So here again is Albigur. We saw him before. And here is a, another picture then of the dragon. And then you've got, or you've got the two beasts. So you've got the beast out of the sea with the 10 horns and seven heads. And then a beast out of the land. So as we're looking at this beast, go to Revelation chapter 7. So you're gonna, I keep repeating this is much of this imagery in Revelation is found elsewhere in, in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. But Daniel chapter 7, Daniel 7, I'm sorry, Daniel 7, so that's page... 1327. All right. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. When he was on his bed, he saw visions in his head. Then he wrote down the dream by recording the main points. Daniel said, during my visions at night, I was watching, and I saw the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four large beasts were coming out of the sea, each one different from the others. The first was like a lion. It had wings like an eagle. I kept watching until its wings were plucked off. Then it was lifted up from the earth, so it stood on its feet like a man, and a man's mind was given to it. Then another appeared, a second beast that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side, three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. This is what was being said to it. Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I kept watching and another beast appeared, which was like a leopard. It had four bird wings on its back. The beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I kept watching the night visions and another beast appeared. The fourth beast was frightening and terrifying and very strong. 
It had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed. With its feet, it trampled whatever was left. Now it was different from all the beasts that came before it had 10 horns. I was thinking about the horns when suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them. Three of the horns that had already been there were uprooted to make room for it. I noticed eyes like human eyes on that horn, and it had a mouth which was speaking boastfully. All right, so you've got in this vision four beasts. Uh, what are these beasts? False prophets. Nope, they're not false prophets. Yeah, yeah. So there are four different kingdoms, four different empires or governments that rose. So which is the what's the first one? You've got a lion. Yeah, so you've got Babylon. And the next one? Persia. Persia is a bear. And then you've got a leopard is? Greece. So it's fast. And then the last one? Rome. So these four beasts are ones that oppressed God's people between Daniel's time and John's time. But now, go back to Revelation. These four beasts are combined as one beast, which represents all government power that does what? It's not, it's not just governments, but it has to be a government that does something specific. Invaders and persecutors and prophets. Yeah. Bad guys. Yeah. It, it is, yeah, the, the government that becomes the bad guys that are persecuting Christians, not because they're making bad laws or laws that Christians don't agree with, but uh, that they are a government that persecutes, that oppresses the Christian church. Okay. So Paul says in Romans chapter 13 that we are to submit to the governing authorities because they come from God, right? But what's the, what's the opposite side? So in Re Romans 13, we see submit to the government, but what do we see in Revelation 13? What can the government do or become? It can become evil. So that's the difficulty, isn't it? That when the government is doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is protecting its people, providing for its people, and so forth, when there's peace and liberty, and it allows the Christian church to grow and flourish, to be able to have what we have in America of freedom of religion, now it's working as an agent of God. But what we see in Revelation 13, the government can become an agent of the dragon. So, so that's that's why, you know, the book I'm writing, it's uh, the Christian balance between Romans 13 and Revelation 13. How do you submit to a government and then at the same time stand up to a government when it becomes oppressive? And it's hard. The first beast is the, is the, and not just a bad government, but a government that persecutes Christians. Uh so verse, verse three of chapter 13, the fatal wound that the beast survives probably refers to the fatal wound, which was inflicted on the dragon of Satan and his henchmen at Christ's first coming when Christ became the king of kings. 
though he is fatally wounded, what happens to the beast? The wound was healed, which means he continues to go on persecuting the Christian church. And what is the job of this beast? So that's symbolic terms. What's it trying to do? Destroy the church and then get people to worship the dragon. That's what we're going to look at next. So what keeps us from bowing down to this first beast? Yeah. Our names are written in the book of life, that we are among the, the elect. By God's grace, our names have been written in this book. And so part of what we need to do then is, uh, you know, we, we need to figure out how do we resist a government that is persecuting uh, the Christian church? Because uh, I've heard people saying, well, submit to the government, right? Romans 13, which is true. But then you have to understand, but what about when the government is telling you, is, is telling people, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's actually legal to murder unborn children. It is legally telling people to break the fifth commandment. What about when the government is saying it is legal to have a no-fault divorce? It's legal to have homosexual marriage. Okay, who knows what's going to happen if you're going to have a throuple marriage, you know, three people in a marriage. Because we never thought we'd get to gay marriage, right? Okay, but so then the government is supporting and promoting. Yeah, yeah. Where, where the government is supporting and promoting the Sixth Amendment. And this may happen. In fact, uh, a lot of churches and schools they have this written into their constitution that, because uh, I know we've had this discussion, I don't know if it's written in ours, is that to protect us from a, a gay couple, for example, uh, suing me and you as the church wanting to get married here, it's written in that, uh, at least in our bylaws, that uh, we only perform marriages for members. Okay, because the government could come at a church and then they're persecuting the Christian church. Okay. Uh, if uh, and you just look at all of the different commandments that the government may force you to break and, you know, the government may, may take your children away for one reason or another. And that's the fourth commandment. Okay. May force you to put, uh, to do things with your children that you don't as a parent approve of and uh, so the the key then is we submit to the government when it's submitting to its laws now any questions on the persecution of the christian church here saying 
Yep, that's exactly it. So the so the government that persecutes Christians, it gets its power from the devil. Okay, and then what is the second beast? This is the beast from the earth. Yeah, this is the Antichrist. Seems like water and oceans are evil. Everything that comes out of the water is evil. Everything that comes from the land is earth. And that would be a human. Ah, good point. So, so you mentioned that the things that come across from the water is evil. So, yeah, from the devil. So with the water, I didn't mention this before. What's interesting is what's a, from where the early Christian church started, you think of Israel, what was across the water on the other side of the sea? Nope, that would be south of them. No, but, but think, think geographically of Israel. And then to their west, northwest, Rome. So across the sea is Rome, the seat of the government at that time. And then it comes out of the sea, the, the church, the, the government that persecutes Christians. Now, in the beginning, the Roman church, the Roman government did not persecute Christians. So when Paul writes uh, Romans and so forth to submit to the government, he's not being persecuted. The Christians are not being persecuted at that time. It's uh, later on that Nero begins persecuting Christians, and it really happens in the uh, second and third centuries that the government comes down hard on Christians. And then, uh, then that when it does that, then that beast, or then it become the government becomes the beast out of the sea. So that's the thing you have to understand: is the government at times, because uh, someone challenged me on this, saying that he figured that. A communist government, uh, that was the beast out of the sea. No, anytime the government is persecuting Christians, it becomes this government. So that's the difficulty too, isn't it? The church at one time can, I mean, the government at one time can be a blessing of God. And then the same, and then another time with other people in the government and certain laws that can be the persecuting the Christian church. Current governments like China and Russia. But yeah, they don't believe in God, but if they're allowing for the Christian church, even though they may be an atheistic government, well, they don't, and then they become the beast out of the sea, right? But if they were a, a church, if they were a government like Rome, Rome had its own religion. And they had their emperor that, you know, people were to worship. Um, but they allowed for Christianity for the first, uh, first several decades. Okay. It wasn't until later on that they began persecuting people and per persecuting them that you had to burn incense to the emperor. And if you didn't, and you didn't show your paper, we'll look at that later on, then you would be persecuted. All right, let's go. To, so then what is this beast from the earth? Uh, it was said as the Antichrist, which is what? 
Someone's going to rule the whole earth. Well, this is the apostate church. So this is those, a, a church body that works with the government that then persecutes Christians, try to get those who are Christians to worship the beast, the beast out of the sea, which is the government, which then gets people to try and worship the dragon. So this would be any apostate church this could this then the Antichrist would be the papacy. Okay. So this is a false prophet that then is able to perform miracles. And again, if you look at the Catholic Church, you know, you have this their saints that one of the things that they're able to do to become a saint is they have to perform, I think, two miracles. And then they become a saint that you can you can venerate. Right, and that's why it's not necessarily the Catholic Church per se, as it is uh, the papacy, and and it can't be the uh, the Muslims because they're not the church. Okay, they're not a Christian church. They never have been, never will be. Muslims, uh, Mormons, and so forth, they're not, they're not this beast. It has to be something that looks like the Christian church. It has uh, it had two horns like the lamb, and yet he speaks like the dragon. So he's trying to look like Jesus, the lamb of God. And then you, we won't go too, too in depth with this, but then you see that Christ, you see this Christian church, uh, the, the papacy, the antichrist, actually leading people away. Biden says it didn't work well. The Pope didn't condemn him at all. Just went along with everything. It's okay. Yeah. And all the people are seeing that. So that's misleading for sure. Sure. So George said is, you know, President Biden recently visited the Pope and the Pope didn't condemn him for any of the things that uh, he, he, the president supports, which would be things like abortion and, you know, climate, all, all the kind of things that we would say that the apostate uh, government is wrong on. Yeah, the church doesn't support abortion. But the papacy does. Sure. That Pope does, yes. Yeah, that that Pope that Pope does, and you listen to that Pope's sermons and declarations. It's about Mother Earth as opposed to God, the Father's creation. Yeah, yeah, and he has said, and other popes have said this too, because I remember uh, we had a pastors' conference once near. I guess it's not a monastery being an abbot, but it's near here somewhere. And it was kind of a neat, quiet place. We stayed in like where there would, had been monks rooms and so forth. But uh, they had on the wall down where we had in the cafeteria, but it talked about uh, people being accepted from all over the earth, but not by Christ. I don't remember the exact wording, but I... I think at the time I even took a picture of it, I lost it since then because it's just so shocking because it was universalism. It was basically saying you can become a Christian or you can go to heaven without being a Christian, without Christ. 
Yeah. Wouldn't that suggest there is a schism in the church, though, or the folks think mm -hmm. it's okay? And you would talk to any, you know, bishops or priests in this country, and they don't support abortion. Right. Yeah. Divide there. there is a divide, but but when you listen to that papacy, uh, and what's interesting is I talked to uh, someone recently, and I, we just covered this in our podcast, Revelation 12 and 13, and uh, I was talking to her on the phone, and I said, I, I just covered this, and I explained Revelation 13, the beast out of the sea, or the beast out of the earth, and she said, oh, that's the Catholic Church. I said, whoa. You're a little more Lutheran than I thought you were <laughs> because on her own, I mean, she's my age about, and she picked up on this because she had seen the papacy working with the governments of the world. And so it's kind of interesting when you see uh, those who grew up in the Catholic church or are Catholic, and then they see this, but the key is they're working with the government in order to persecute Christians. So then the last part then is, I think is interesting. What is the mark of the beast? The 666. So let's go with that. 666. Why six, Why the number 666? Well, you said last time Way to listen, Larry. That's exactly it. Yeah, so 666 is close to seven. Or you can look at it like this. It's triple failure. Satan comes close in his attempts to destroy God's kingdom. At Bethlehem, he missed it by one baby. But he always falls short. But what does this mark of the beast don't focus so much on the 666, the mark of the beast, you know, the people uh, that this beast out of the earth wants to put on people. And if they don't have this mark, what aren't they going to be able to do? Commerce by itself. Commerce by itself. So what have you heard that this mark of the beast could be? A chip in your skin. Yep. To make Facebook easier. To make, yeah. On the outside, but on the inside. <clears throat> okay. What else? So that would be a relatively new thing. In, in the past, in several decades ago, there was another, another one. Okay, so security number. That may have been one. COVID vaccination proof. Okay. Uh, vaccination proof. That if you don't have your papers that you're vaccinated, that you can't, you know, in California, it's going to be very soon that if kids don't have their papers, they can't go out in public. They can't go shopping and things like that. Kids, not, not just adults, but kids. Uh, that it could be your vaccination because uh, you can't buy and sell. You know, if you, you know, that's, that's a big thing now with uh, businesses underneath uh if they have over a hundred employees, if you have a business, uh, government contract. So, that, so if some were saying, well, maybe that's the mark of the beast. In the past, it was, uh, people thought it could be a barcode. Okay, very similar to the, the chip. Tattoo. Yeah. Why uh, are those, can those be uh, 
examples of the mark of the beast? Control, it's government control. Okay, so that's, I think that's the key. It's anytime the government along, that the government can control you. Uh, but why can we say that it can't be specifically say a vaccination paper or a barcode or a microchip? This is my big thing whenever someone asks me, because I get this, I've been in the ministry 25 years and I've always gotten questions. Well, is, is the mark of the beast this? Now, a couple of years later, is it this? Well, why can't it be specifically that? Because everyone won't have it. Because everyone won't have it. And the people of John's day wouldn't have it. That's the big thing of biblical interpretation. John is writing to people in the first century. No, he's writing to us too. But in the first century, it had to mean something for them. So for them in the first century, what, what would have been an example of this mark of the beast? No, it would have been the opposite. That they would have had papers too. The papers would have said, this person has burned incense to the emperor. Now he can do business. In, in the, with communists, it would have been, uh, if you were a part of the communist youth organization, you had your membership. Now you can do business. If you don't, now you can't do business. Yeah, I don't know how the Nazis marked the Jews. You know. mm -hmm. If you had a yellow star. You can't do anything. So this is an interesting thing. This is a little off this, but it goes back to that Christian resistance. Uh, this is one of the really cool examples that I found about Christian resistance. Because, you know, we talk about civil disobedience and Christians don't like that because you're saying you're disobedient. So Christian resistance or even just saying no. Uh, but Larry brought it up with the Jews. Uh, an example I found of this is back in, you know, Nazi Germany, uh, you know, the Jewish men were being rounded up and, and imprisoned. And this is be, I think this is before they're being hauled off into Auschwitz and so forth, but they're being arrested. And, you know, these were, some of these were uh, Jewish men that had married German fraus, good, pure German stock. You know what the women did when their husbands were arrested? They went out in the streets and very calmly let people know this had happened. And what do you think the German, what, what was the difficult situation that, that put the German government into? You know, not, you know, Hitler and so forth, his other leaders. Why couldn't they just arrest those women and get rid of them? Because they were German, they were pure stock. And if they would have, if they would have arrested those women or put them to death or whatever, what would have happened to the rest of the people? The rest of the society that found out what was going on. They're going to rise up. So they're going to wake up. But they, they got these men in prison that they feel are impure. Do you know what happened? Because those women stood up. You see, we don't hear about this. The Germans released them. Without any kind of big show, any kind of loud protest and everything, the women just walking out and being, uh, you know, civil resistance. And the government caved. Just by the, those women saying, no. This is not right. It was kind of, it's kind of an interesting example of this. 
but the key is that the government is going to be coming at you hard. And now you've got the apostate church that is going to be coming at you hard. But the big thing, though, the last thing with this is that the 666 is a spiritual number. It's not necessarily a physical thing. It's saying you belong in society so that you can work and live in society. And the reason we know it's a spiritual thing is because of chapter 14. So you'll read that for next time, but I'll give you a little heads up. Uh, I'll, I'll end with this story. I think it ties it nicely together is uh, many years ago, there was a young man named Tyler that he had been baptized in this church. He had been confirmed in this church. And then he fell away. And this is by his own admission. He told me this uh, when I went to visit him in prison um, here in Sturdivant. And he told me in tears that he had so fallen away from God and he hated God so much in his youth. You know, he was into drugs. He was stealing money from his family to pay for his drugs and so forth. And he had the number 666 tattooed on his heart. He had gotten involved. He said, I got involved in Satanism. He hated God that much. And then he said, but pastor, I don't want that anymore. But what can I do? I've got this marked on my chest. So I read Revelation 14, which you'll read for homework. And I said, but Tyler, were you baptized? He said, yeah, I was baptized at Epiphany. I said, that baptism, that mark on your forehead of the cross, on your head to your heart, that's way more important than some ink on your skin. God sees that mark, which we'll see in Revelation 14, on us, and that's more important. The government and so forth may see something else uh, that we belong to that, and because we don't, we may not be able to work and live and do commerce in society, but more importantly, we're a part of the citizenship in heaven because of that symbol that was placed on us. But I told that to, uh, to Tyler. I said, your baptism marks you a child of God. Even though you ran away from God, you're the prodigal son. He's always waiting for you to come back because he sealed you as his own. Then he cried again. That was tears of joy. So, so if he hadn't been yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I had thought of that. I would have gone to the sink. We, we met in the, uh, the prison cafeteria. Yeah, I, that would have been a good point. I didn't think of it. But yeah, that would have been a good thing if, if you wanted to be baptized at that time, if he had not been baptized, to go and put that seal on him. That I get shivers because that's a pretty cool thing to do. I don't. He may have gone back into, uh, you know, his 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 grandmother who was a member she died a long time ago and so I lost track of him. That's that's kind of why I even use his real name because you guys don't know who he is and you know there's no way of others that would have changed the name. George. Uh, symbolically, I think he could change that tattoo, you know, alter it, make make it a good thing. Yeah. Concrete six six six. Yeah. 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 Feel better. Right. So. My neighbors a while back also uh, speaking of baptism. Her daughter-in-law was Lincoln. Mm. So when the child was born, she refused to have it baptized. Wow. So my neighbor took the child and said I'll babysit and <laughs> baptized her in the kitchen sink. There you go. So, 
Yep, I have I have more and more of our grandmothers have uh, that I've asked about. Well, should we baptize these these kids? We already did that. <laughs> yeah, so all right, and we'll look at that next week. So uh, good class, and we'll look at Revelation fourteen and fifteen next week.